Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 943, I think, of Locked On Raptors for Monday, April. Is that April? Good God. May the 10th. It's a hello, Monday. What's up? I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at Woodley Sean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, or you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure that you are subscribing to, rating, and reviewing uh, all of the Locked On podcasts uh, on your favorite podcast providers. It's very appreciated when you support us. we got shows covering every team that you could possibly think of in the Big Four Sports or the Power NCAA conferences. If you're a fan of a sports team, we have you covered uh, just like we do here on Locked On Raptors. So uh, go and find those shows, seek them out, and support them. Okay, on today's show, we're diving into a very... Just blah, Raptors lost to the Memphis Grizzlies on Saturday night, 109-99. The Raptors fall to 27-41. and I believe they're now just one loss away from uh, clinching, or I guess being eliminated from the playoffs, not clinching anything. Clinching a uh, sad playoff-less season, I suppose. Uh, just four games left to play here. Clippers on Tuesday night. All will wrap up on Sunday, apparently at the same time as every other game going on on Sunday, which is cool, nice little Premier League uh, rip off there. Uh, and joining me on today's show to talk about the Raptors lost to the Grizzlies and sort of what the path should be over the final four games here is our pal who joins us just about every Monday on the podcast. It's Vivek Jacob. What's going on, man? Nothing much. I would say that the Raptors are clinching their Tampa Bay exit, and that is definitely yes. worth clinching. So, oh my God, is it ever? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a good time. It's a good time. Uh, and we'll get to watch the NBA playoffs completely stress-free. Obviously, that hasn't mm-hmm. been the case the last, was it seven years? Eight years? Yeah. So a long time. <clears throat> yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to it. And then maybe we get a Warriors-Lakers fandom meltdown on Twitter when that playing game oh happens. Oh, my God. I want nothing more, dude. I just <laughs> I just want that to happen. I was really, really rooting for a Lakers and the Clippers first round series. But if that's not going to transpire, the, the best consolation prize is Lakers Warriors in the play in and the Warriors winning mm. is, the, is the optimal outcome there. Uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll probably dive into our play playoff feelings at some point and sort of hitch our wagons to another team it's going to be the nuggets i'm sorry but <laughs> yeah i'm with <laughs> um, you there you know the, hey i'm i'm back on them making the finals Jokic is ridiculous and uh they'll get guys back it seems and except for murray and i think that'll be enough because the west is kind of maybe littered with uh frauds but we can get to that <laughs> another time um big v let's get into this game against the grizzlies there's not a lot to get into i'm going to be totally honest <coughs> oh my god you okay there bud yeah, I got morning dry throat. Mm. Uh, I will just cut that part out. <laughs> <clears> throat> 
I'm gonna be totally honest with you. This was probably the game that I watched the least attentively all season long. I was like doing a Zoom call with some friends, and it just it was on, and I was watching it, but also. I couldn't find myself getting all that gripped by it when I was tuning in. And so, like, I have thoughts, I have opinions, I have things to take away from the game. But this was really sort of a symbol of the times where, all right, let's just, we're in real run-out-the-clock territory right now, mm. uh, as Stanley Hudson on The Office might say. And, you know, we're, we're, we're just kind of picking <coughs> little small things to get entertained by, I suppose. So let me put it to you, Big V. What was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' loss to the Grizzlies, a game from which it's very hard to pull any takeaways? I would say that Jalen Harris impressed me with the bounce to his game. And, yeah. you know, we, we, I think we saw a little bit uh, in the Clippers game as well, but this one, you know, some of those finishes at the rim uh, really impressed me. And so, yeah, uh, maybe, you know, that three-on-one fast break, it was a bit of an interesting decision. We've seen a couple of interesting decisions <laughs> from him that have worked out really well. Obviously, there was the three that he took against the Clippers in the corner where you're thinking, you know, just hang on to the ball and take the last shot. But mm. he takes it and he makes it. So you can't complain too much. Now again, obviously, <laughs> the three-on-one fast break. Uh, against the Grizz and he's able to go up and under and finish so that was a really nice finish and he finishes the game with 16 6 and 4 so pretty impressive showing by him and yeah some, some, some of that ability to create his own shot really entices me because obviously we've talked a bunch about how the Raptors don't have a lot of that so uh, him being able to do that this early in his NBA career is definitely encouraging yeah, I mean, that was the whole book on him, right? Was this guy uh, knows how to find a bucket, and mm-hmm. where the rest of his game comes from, we're not sure, but there are buckets to be had with Jalen Harris, and I'm glad we're getting to see it. I'm glad he's getting a chance here to sort of audition for next season, because there's no guarantees he's going to be on the roster going into next year. You presume he'd be in camp and all that through Summer League if that's going to be going down this offseason, but... You know, he, he doesn't have a guaranteed contract or, or anything and hasn't had a lot of time this year to really show what he can do. And you're always at risk of getting Dewan hernandez I guess, if you are a 59th overall pick who doesn't really get much run in year one. You know, the, the Raptors aren't necessarily invested in Harris the way they are in a Malachi Flynn or some other first round pick or even a higher second round pick. You know, at 59, oftentimes guys don't even want to be taken with that pick and they'll go into the undrafted free agent market. And so are you even getting a guy that you love there or are you just getting a guy who wants to be drafted? And it's nice to see that Harris has gotten some run here. And I would assume over the final four games he's going to continue to get run because really he's the guy who probably has the most to gain from getting some run here and and the guy that the Raptors probably have the most to gain from looking at considering they've seen basically everybody else for extended run and I think you have a pretty good idea of what sort of role each of these guys might be able to assume next season or you know otherwise you know they're not going to be on the team in the case of like Rodney Hood and Stanley Johnson and Harris is still the guy who's sort of the unknown and I'm glad to see that he's kind of 
flexing his muscles a little bit. I'm glad to see he's got that brazen sort of gunner's mentality, which has been sorely lacking on the Raptors since the days of like Terrence Ross in a lot of ways. And I look forward to him kind of ratcheting it up over the final four games. Just give him all the run in the world, I suppose. What is there to lose, frankly? And you have a lot to gain in terms of just sort of understanding and knowledge. As you look at him right now, do you have sort of an inkling of where he might slot in on next year's team? Like, I think there's a run probably, you know, secures a spot on the team for him next year. As as small as it might be, that's kind of all you need with these guys. Just a little flash, and it's worth sort of looking at more on a low sort of stakes contract. You know, do you think there's a role for him next season? Do you think it's, you know, go back to the G League and just sort of dominate down there, and maybe by season's end there's a rotation spot waiting for you? Like, what's your sort of crystal ball for Jalen Harris in terms of his role in the team going into next year? So the crystal ball, it pretty much comes down to what Kyle Lowry's status will be, right? Because I think if Mm, he moves on, then everyone kind of moves up the pecking order a little bit and – you know, potentially you're looking at Gary Trent Jr. in a starting role, and then you need more depth at the guard spot. And so that's when I would say, yeah, Jalen Harris could likely be a part of the rotation next year. If Kyle Lowry comes back, then, yeah, then I envision this scenario where he's getting more time in the G League and he's just continuing to build up. And possibly, you know, a rotation spot opens up in the second half of the season. Yeah, totally fair. Um and uh, hopefully we get some clarity on what the guard situation is going to look like in the next couple <laughs> months here. I'm sure we will. Um, and I'm sure uh, Harris is very invested in what's going to go down this offseason as well. We'll, uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on Harris for the final four games. Again, probably the most interesting thing to watch at this point other than you know Malachi Flynn's continued progression. Uh, but another guy who was, I think, a positive note in that Grizzlies game, Yuta Watanabe, uh, 11 points, four boards. He's four of eight from the floor, three of eight from downtown. Uh, had a steal mixed in there as well. Not terribly good in terms of driving winning on the floor, but nobody really was in that game for the Raptors. Um, you want to talk about Utah uh, off-air before coming into this, this game. You know, this is, to me, just another sort of data point suggesting that he can maybe even slot into, like, your first wave of reserves next season, depending on what, what happens with the draft and who you take and, um, you know, what other, other people you bring in. You know, as it stands right now, if you have him sort of as your backup 3-4 sort of hybrid, I think that's a totally fine way to go into next season, considering what he's shown and what there might still be there to mine. But what were your overall takeaways from Utah's game against the Grizzlies? Yeah, I mean, to me, just another uh, notch in the belt for him in terms of proving that, you know, he's an absolute lock for next year in the rotation. I'm all in on Utah. I love everything that he brings to the table. And... I love the added aggressiveness on offense. I asked him about it after the game, you know, just just even in terms of obviously there was the improved uh, aggression and the improved uh, quality on offense after the initial mm-hmm. injury he had. But I think even now in in a starting spot, we, we've seen him add to that. And when I asked him, he was saying, hey, I think I can be even more aggressive, uh, especially, mm-hmm. you know, with all the guys missing. And you look at late in that game, Pascal not being involved either. I think there is a window for him to be more aggressive, continue to develop. He he said one of his goals in the offseason is going to be to add uh, some strength. Uh, and that's going to be important for him, especially you know to improve that drive game going to the basket. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of good 
uh, to like about Utah. And, you know, the one quote I always go back to, Spolstra had one of my favorite quotes where he said, with some of the players in the league, uh, you know, it's a question of their self-esteem matching up and leveling up to their talent. Right. And I think with Utah, obviously, when you come in and you're just trying to make the team and you're just trying to fit in and all of that, you know, you, you, you don't want to step on any toes. You don't want to do any of that. But obviously, with the way the season has gone, he's gotten more and more opportunities. And so as that has gone on, I think his confidence has elevated and he's really starting to believe in himself. And I think, you know, it, especially after signing that contract, obviously nothing's guaranteed, but I, th- I think he's got a lot of belief in him now and he definitely wants to stick around for a while. Yeah, hear me out. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to see Pascal in the final four games. Mm-hmm. I think just sort of reading the tea leaves and the way the Raptors have uh, approached injuries this season and the fact that he leaves that game Sunday, there's only four games left, uh, and, and there's nothing to play for at this point. I would be surprised if we saw him again, frankly, and that's disappointing because I'm really enjoying the work of Pascal Siakam lately. But if he's not around, hear me out. Uh, just give Utah all of his possessions and just see what he can do as like a playmaking forward. Why the hell not? Like there's nothing else to lose right now. And, you know, does he have the same sort of bag as, as Pascal? Absolutely not. But my whole thing is you can't figure out what a guy's limitations are unless you test them. And I would totally be on board with four games of high usage Utah just kind of playmaking and doing the thing. And just seeing where it takes them. Obviously, it's not going to take them somewhere promising right now as he's still very raw and sort of learning these new abilities that he's kind of discovered recently. But, you know, he's shown some juice with the ball in his hands. He's shown, I think, a good sort of understanding and surveying of the floor. Why the hell not? Just see if Utah can be your guy to sort of carry the offense for the next four games and uh, and see what he can do. Is that crazy or uh, is that something you'd like to see? Yeah, I would love to see him get more opportunities. Obviously, it's going to have to be balanced out with all the other guys and Malachi Flynn getting his reps and Jalen Harris getting sure. some opportunities as well. And so within the context of that, you know, at the end of the day, this is all about developing and for Nick, developing to him, as he said before, is about building winning habits and the players that are learning to do so. So, uh, yeah, I, I think by all means, Utah... In terms of maximizing his offensive ceiling, that's going to be important. That's going to be an important part of his game. So, yeah, I'm all for it, man. Cool. Um, with uh, that now uh, said, let's continue <laughs> on. I want to dive into maybe a less positive element of the game from Sunday or Saturday, and that is Gary Trent Jr., who was five of twenty mm. in this game. We're going to dive into Gary Trent and uh, just sort of dig into what we've seen from him recently. And how we're feeling hot or cold on Gary Trent. We're going to check the stove, as Gary Trent is wont to do on the floor sometimes. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that in just a second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Indeed, who are the place that you want to be going if you are hiring. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post-screen and interview all on Indeed. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy with tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately and Indeed skills tests that on average reduce hiring time by 27 
25%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests and then add your must-have requirements so that you only pay for applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked, L-O-C-K-E-D. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. That's Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Big V, let's continue on here. Uh, just a heads up, on tomorrow's podcast, I'm going to be joined by Joseph Cacharo, Joey Cash of Pound the Rock and the Score, and we're going to do a little awards talk. Uh, you know, the Raptors don't figure to you know, be fixtures of the awards conversation this year, but... We are going to sort of do an exercise where we try to slot in where each of the Raptors' best candidates for each award might slot in if we were to do like a 1 to 500 vote among all NBA players. That'll be fun. That's coming up tomorrow with Joey Cash. But let's continue on here. Let's get into Gary Trent Jr., Mm -hmm. Vivek. Uh, As I said before the break, just uh, 5 of 20 for 18 points, 6 boards, an assist, a steal on Sunday or Saturday. Why do I keep saying Sunday? I don't know. Um, 36 minutes played against the Grizzlies as well. It's been a little bit rough here for Gary Trent. It's been hot and cold, mostly cold recently. He's kind of become very tunnel visiony, not quite the player we saw in the first couple of weeks after the Raptors acquired him when he was putting up career highs and hitting buzzer beaters and doing the wonderful sort of defense of OG Ananobi when people were disrespecting his honor. Um, <laughs> where are you at on Gary Trent? You know, this has been. I think a pretty good sort of come back to earth a little bit just to sort of temper expectations, honestly, for Raptors fans. But have you seen things that have been concerning as sort of we look ahead to a future of the Raptors where it seems as though their intentions are to have him be a big part of it with presumably a contract going his way this summer and presumably not a very cheap one? Where are you at on Gary Trent after this recent you know, run of not necessarily dazzling play? Yeah, I mean, I'm someone who didn't necessarily get too high when he made that rollicking start. So I'm not Mm going to get too low now either. At the end of the day, he's 22, and I think he's going to have his ups and downs um, since he's not a superstar talent. But uh, I think, you know, with him, obviously the big challenge is just getting to understand the way the Raptors want to play and just... uh, you know, having more ball movement, just making better reads and recognizing opening open teammates. Uh, I think that's something that obviously needs to progress with him. Yeah, you know, obviously he's he's someone that just hunts his own shot and focuses on his own offense. And maybe, you know, at the end of the season, he's someone that's just looking at it and saying that, hey, I'm, I'm going to work on some things that I want to work on in game time and then, you know, get to the off season and work on some other stuff. But yeah, I think the progression in terms of understanding Raptors basketball, that that is probably the biggest area of development. Defensively, we've seen some of the weaknesses as well. So those are the things that I'd like to see him work on in the offseason. But for now, you know, a very young player, 22 years old, I'm not going to get too caught up in the struggles just the same way I wasn't too caught up in uh, the hype early on. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. 22 is sort of the number to remember. Just like tattoo it on your forehead when you're talking about Gary Trent Jr. Yes, he's had three years of NBA seasoning, but, you know, it's it's a process for these guys. And 
there's a lot to like still. The fact that he can create his own shot, at least in the mid-range. He's not much for getting to the rim, which is obviously something that'll need to be worked on. And I don't know if you can work on things like a slow first step. That might just be a thing that's always going to be an inhibitor to him. But you got to find ways around it. you got to sort of adopt the old man game if you need to and, and stuff like that. Obviously, I don't think he's like this erratic and bad a three-point shooter. I feel like he's going to sort of snap back a little bit. You know, he's been around 39, 40% for most of his career. I think that'll, you know, work and sort of slot back in place, especially when he's playing with better players, right? Like, it's tough right now. He is, in a lot of ways, like the number one option, number two option, I guess, with Siakam playing. And that's a lot of burden to take on. And as we've talked about with, like, OG, not everybody's capable of scaling up that usage and maintaining the efficiency. So... I wonder if Trent sort of slots in a little bit more comfortably as like a number five option where his shots are going to be wide open. And as a guy who's getting it late in the clock on the swing or whatever it might be, you know, that ability to kind of get to the mid range, take that pull up, hit those threes like that becomes super valuable, sort of in the vein of a Norm Powell, just without that explosive first step. And, you know, that that totally is fine to me in terms of the contract. I mean, yeah. I think some of the numbers that were getting thrown around when he originally was on that heater were probably a little bit overshooting it, and maybe we're taking too much into account the deal that he turned down from the Blazers before the season, um, you know, off a really hot bubble run and things like that. You know, maybe we're looking at that $14 million he turned down as some sort of baseline when maybe that's sort of where it's going to nestle in, ultimately, because of the struggles here and because, you know, the, the Raptors still have the leverage in the situation in a lot of ways. Um, you know, in terms of the contract, is there a number that makes you queasy sort of thinking about it? I know like 16 to 18 was kind of being thrown around at the original sort of outset of the Gary Trent Jr. era. I feel like that's probably overshooting it a little bit. Um, but is there any part of you that has some pause about being the team to pay Gary Trent Jr. his next contract, considering what it's probably going to take to get him on board? I think over 70 would be a bit strange to see. I, I think I'm mm-hmm. comfortable in that 50. 50- Somewhere in that 58 to, you know, if I put the floor at 58, I'd probably put the ceiling at 70, and I wouldn't go above that. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the sweet spot is somewhere in that 60-ish range. Because I, I will say, you know, with him rejecting that contract uh, uh, coming off of the bubble, he was probably anticipating building on that, right? And I don't think he's necessarily yeah. done that this season when you look at the season as a whole. Obviously, he's had some really nice stretches, but he's had some down stretches as well. So I don't think he's necessarily built off of the bubble performance. Yeah, I feel like it's probably a situation where, you know, he didn't want to cost himself any money. His agent didn't want to cost him any money by accepting a deal prematurely. Right. Because what if he does break out and averages 20 a game on efficient shooting? Like, <laughs> then yeah. you're kind of upset that you signed that early. And maybe now that the sort of dust is cleared after the bubble and we're seeing sort of both the strengths and the flaws in his game, that maybe it just is a little bit easier to stomach that. 14 million because you know you're not leaving anything on the table um so yeah i'm feeling oddly you know this stretch might actually kind of help the raptors in terms of the overall number they're giving out not that i'm in the business of counting people's money and i want guys to make as much as they can but in terms of the team building process you have to consider it and you know maybe this last little stretch is sort of you know calming down the enthusiasm enough that the um, that the, the, the number is going to come in a little bit more team friendly, which, you know, a, any extra money you can save, I suppose, is uh, is valuable, even if it's, it sucks and is gross that we have to talk about this and count dudes' monies. Um, 
Count dudes' monies? Anyway, uh, good <laughs> pluralization, Sean. Um, <laughs> we're going to continue on and uh, take a look at the final four games and sort of talk about what we want to see from the team in terms of philosophy and, um, you know, development and all that as they close out this season. We'll also do a tankathon sim of the day as it becomes ever more entrenched. The seventh spot in the rankings looks like it belongs to the Raptors. Uh, we'll get to that in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at betonline.ag and you can also bet on different little events that come up there's drafts coming up there's the kentucky derby just finished up and you've got the next two legs of the triple crown some controversy with the triple crown Uh oh but you can still bet on that on all of your other favorite sports like baseball basketball hockey and ufc and mma action over at betonline.ag don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as team preps teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, to get that 50% welcome bonus. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar, who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. They've got nine delicious flavors in their standard lineup, plus limited edition flavors that pop up from time to time, like coconut brownie chunk or raspberry cheesecake or birthday cake, which I know is a favorite of Big V. So there's something <laughs> for everyone. No, you know what my favorite flavor is? It's mint brownie. It's really kind of risen up my rankings. I've always liked mint stuff before, but mint brownie really is tough to beat. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors as well. Order today and uh, get that flavor you want. Raspberry, mint brownie, whatever it might be, order it up right now. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Big V. So we got four games for your Toronto Raptors left in this season as they cling to uh, microscopic hopes of catching the Indiana Pacers, I guess. Uh, Not going to happen, I don't think, unless they win out and the Pacers lose out. I think that is the only path for the Raptors to make it into the plan. I think it's safe to say the Raptors are cooked, which in a weird way is kind of a nice relief and uh, sort of it's nice to throw out all those sort of half-baked you know, feelings of, oh, maybe they can get the plan. And, and you know, the investment was nice for a bit, but also just totally doomed in a lot of ways. So glad that's kind of out of the purview. Um, but over the final four games, there's still going to be things to watch for and things to learn. Um, you know, we've seen all different manner of starting lineups and combinations and guys available and not available. For you, what are you hoping to see from these final four games from the Raptors in terms of just sort of the guys they play, the strategies they're implementing? Like, is there anything in particular that you're kind of keying in on as the storyline to watch in the final four games? Yeah, so for me, I actually kind of hope that there's some kind of mix. I mean, I I know that it's extremely unlikely, but I hope that, you know, one of the core plays like each of the four games to close out. Because I mm-hmm. like the idea of just having that guiding light and having, you know, one of those uh, players that has that winning pedigree just on the court to help with some stuff. I won't be surprised if that's not the case. But beyond that, I think just more reps for Malachi, Utah, um, Gary, you know, Taylor Harris, obviously. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Kem and Freddie, obviously, we've seen we we've seen Kem bring the ball up a few times now, and we've seen I think <laughs> both the good and the bad. 
And so maybe just him continuing to develop that because the, the assist numbers are not bad, right? Like he, he's, no. he's got a good eye. And so uh, I think th- just those little things that you want to level up uh, over the course uh, of these four games, I think those are important things to look at. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if Paul Watson's going to get in he- here at the end. Uh, mm. Not sure where the knee is at. It'd be nice to see him again, but if not... You know, just roll with the guys you got and keep getting them some invaluable reps at the NBA level. Yep, I, uh, I'm i with you on all that. I, I would love to see, you know, even one more game with all the dudes left. You know, it does in a way, it feels kind of like the end. Maybe the era is already ended. I don't know. But, you know, there's the uncertainty with Lowry and maybe they run it back next year and we still have sort of the skeleton of the title team in place and you have still the big contributors who were part of that team uh, still as the core members. But if Kyle's gone, then you're really starting to dwindle down in terms of guys who are around in 2019. And it sucks that there's not really going to be any sort of proper goodbye or farewell for that crew. And, you know, Watching Kyle Lowry play awesome basketball games is really fun, and while it would be really cool if his final game as a Raptor was that 37-11 and 11 against the Lakers last weekend, um, I'd like to see him have more final games as a Raptor, honestly, and, you know, I still maintain a lot of, I, I think I'm on the side that thinks he's going to be back, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of bracing for him to come back, and maybe that's setting myself up for disappointment, but... <laughs> You know, there's a chance that this is the final week of Kyle Lowry's Raptors career, and I would hope that it's not with him spent entirely sitting on the bench, even though he's still offering, you know, fun things while sitting on the bench as like player coach kind of guy and, you know, support uh, person for Malachi Flynn and all, but I would like to see him play more Raptors basketball games. It's kind of been my whole ethos this season is I want to see Kyle Lowry play as much as possible, and while I understand that the rest is either you know, a realization that they have bigger fish to fry six months from now or a realization that he's, you know, destined for a sign and trade and they're trying to maintain his health and all that. Whatever it might be, I understand it. But also give me at least one more Kyle Lowry game, please. (laughs) Just because I'm not ready to be done watching Kyle Lowry play in a Raptors uniform. In terms of other things I want to see, like you mentioned Ken Birch. Yeah, just further embolden him. I really want to see him start just, you know, they really leave him like eight feet of space at the top of the arc whenever he's doing a handoff or whatever and just start bombing that three when you have the ball there and no one's guarding you can just see what you can do why not just hit those dead 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 away straight on you know above the break threes see if you can knock them down no one's guarding you there just uh you know why not fire away um that's sort of the thing i'm watching i'm also watching for you know the harris and flins and all that but yeah it is it's pretty lean in terms of storylines to keep an eye on here I guess Gillespie is another one too with how mm-hmm. he's sort of sort of becoming a little bit more comfortable as like a, a play finisher. You know, he's still got work to do in terms of making himself like a target in the pick and roll and, and making it easy to sort of find him for lobs and stuff like that. But he seems to be getting a little bit more sort of brazen around the basket. He's, he's going up. He's not sort of getting the ball slapped out of his hands anymore. He's going up strong and dunking with that left hand very thunderously. Um, so more of that, I suppose, too. But yeah, it's... Uh, real like i said off the top real run up the clock hours here for the raptors and those few little things to keep you interested will be carrying a lot of uh a lot of the load for the next little while here um do you want to do a tankathon sim of the day why not 
All right, so the Raptors have now jumped up twice, and I believe the 11 or 12 times we've done this, they've jumped up to four, and they've jumped up to two. Still no jumping up to number one. As it stands right now, as we pull up tankathon.com, the Raptors are 27 and 41, pretty comfortably going to be the seventh worst team in the league, I think. Uh, There's two games clear of Chicago, who seem to be trying to win games and maybe stand a chance of catching the Pacers here. Um, They are also three games clear of Sacramento and four games clear of New Orleans. And they're also six games clear on the other side of Minnesota and Orlando and Cleveland, all at the same 21 and 47 record. So number seven feels like it's going to be where it's going to be. Uh, the odds as it stands right now, 31.9% chance at a top four pick, 7.5% chance at number one overall. Get used and acquainted to those numbers, I suppose. Uh, we're going to do it now with Sim Lottery. I'm going to get a drum one day, but not yet. Sim Lottery. And the Toronto Raptors have fallen down to eighth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Big V. This, this exercise continues to, uh... Lay bare the futility of hoping for lottery odds to help you out. The mm-hmm. nice thing here is the Oklahoma City Thunder dropped three spots, which is nice. It's Chicago, Minnesota, Houston as your top three. Um, the Thunder deserve absolutely nothing. Absolutely, yeah. That number that Royce Young threw out today, I can't. and I don't know if it's supposed to be as like a badge of honor or something like that, but the Thunder per Royce Young have been outscored by 490 points in their last 25 games, the worst margin of defeat by any team in any 25-game span in NBA history. They're an embarrassment. They deserve absolutely no lottery luck. They have been as bad in these last 25 games as the 1992-93 Dallas Mavericks, who were 11-71. and They don't. They deserve nothing. It's a garbage, like, sham tank, and uh, they deserve to fall three spots in every lottery sim that gets run. Um for you, eight, eight spot in the draft, you know, I'm not sure how much you've kind of done the deep dives yet on draft guys. I'm still sort of waiting for the season to end to kind of really dig into it. But um, where are you at in terms of if it is seven or eight in that range? Are you disappointed that there's not the leap up or are you getting excited about guys in that range? Where, where are you at? Yeah, I'm fine with picking seven or eight. I'm sure Bobby and Masai will find a player that can help this team. If not, <laughs> manufacture a trade that, uh, you know, gets this team better. One way or the other, I'm sure they'll find something that works. Uh, but, yeah, in terms of uh, scouting the talent, I have uh, Robel's video on Giddy bookmarked, and <laughs> I will be watching that later today. And beyond that, I don't really have uh, much of a preference on who I'd like to see drafted just yet. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah, Josh Giddy seems pretty fun. Uh, large Australian boy. Who, uh, I think it's Kate, uh, our friend Kate Bagshaw said it looks like, and I excuse me if I'm misquoting, but looks like uh, Australian Sean Mendez, which is fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, he seems to have quite the package to offer as a playmaking sort of wing type. Uh, you couldn't go wrong. We're going to really, really dive into draft stuff uh, pretty heavily in the next couple months, obviously. That's going to be sort of the thing that carries the show for a long time. We're going to do individual draft profiles and things like that and get all sorts of interesting and fun people on to talk about all these players. Um, but yeah, the, this this is still sort of the mystery range of the draft. That top five seems to be quite well known. Everyone has their Cade Cunningham fantasies and their uh, Evan Mobley sub-fantasies and all that. 
Um, 7 through 14 seems like a very strong place to draft, but there will be sort of, I think, a lot of need-based selections around there just because of the way the Raptors are built and some guys just kind of overlapping a little bit too much with Siakam and OG, who are kind of staked that claim to the 3-4 spots. Um, either way, I very much look forward to digging deep into the draft coming up here. But for now, your Toronto Raptors, 8th overall in the latest Tankathon Sim of the Day. Again, proof that uh, putting all your hopes in the lottery is maybe not the best thing to be doing. Um, that's going to do it for today's show. Big V, thanks so much for popping on, man. Do you have anything you want to plug? Just my usual stuff at uh, Complex at CBC. I got the soccer podcast, Red Couch Manx. You can follow me on Twitter at Vivek Jacob. I will tease. Uh, sorry, Vivek M. Jacob. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say, you ruined your handle. <laughs> wrong, wrong handle plug. <laughs> I will tease that we have a special guest coming up on the latest North Courts. And so be sure to check that one out. It'll be out this Wednesday. And we are very excited to have, you know, someone who's uh, got a ring, an NBA ring. I'll put it that way. Ooh, I'm very excited by this. Um, Specifically picked up that ring in 2019. Interesting. Jordan Lloyd, amazing. Uh, <laughs> Eric Moreland, I don't know why he's on North Courts, but congrats to him, I suppose. Um, that's fun. That's awesome. Anyway, um, yeah, go watch North Courts. Go check out Friday's podcast with Vivek's North Courts buddy, Javon Shepard. That was a really fun episode. Javon's great uh, to talk to because he played basketball and knows things. <laughs> so highly recommend you go, uh, even if he keeps ducking me and refusing to play me one-on-one and using the pandemic as cover, um, go listen to Javon on Friday. Also, um, go listen to the Cadence Weapon episode last week. It was a lot of fun on Thursday. I really enjoyed it, and uh, people should go listen to that. Anyway, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning on in. Uh, you can find me at Woodley Sean as always. Subscribe, rate, review, follow, whatever your podcast app asks you to do to the podcasts you like to support them. Do that, please. And uh, we'll be back again tomorrow with Joey Cash doing a little awards talk. Uh, we'll talk to you then. Have a good one, everybody. Bye-bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.